the FT. ISIS militants now hold sway over half of Syria's landmass after they seized control of Palmyra, site of an ancient Roman city that has survived for two thousand years but is now facing destruction. The loss of the historic city's ancient ruins would be a devastating blow to the world's cultural heritage, but the defeat is also a further signal that the regime of Bashar al-Assad is losing ground. I'm Fiona Simon, and on the line with me to discuss this is Erica Solomon, who's been covering the conflict. Hi, Erica. What's the significance of the loss of Palmyra, and what are the other major reverses that the regime has suffered in the last couple of months? I think what makes the loss of Palmyra significant is the resonance it will have not only with Syrians but with the international community, because of course it is the site of some beautiful ancient antiquities, rows and rows of amazing Roman columns and ruins, and it was an oasis basically in the ancient world that connected Eastern civilizations with the Roman Empire. So there's a lot of concern that ISIS will destroy these ruins. We've already seen ISIS fighters film themselves destroying Assyrian ruins in northwestern Iraq as well as in eastern Syria. So there's real reason to be worried for Syria's historical legacy here. But also for Syrians, Palmyra will have another meaning, and that is that of its infamous. Tadmor prison. Tadmor is the word for Palmyra in Arabic. It was actually closed years back, but many believe that it was reopened to take in political prisoners since the four-year war against Assad began. And so, while a lot of the international community is focusing on the ruins, locals are wondering what's happening with the prison. Are we going to see prisoners released? But you're right in asking about the reverses for the regime. It's been suffering many setbacks in the past month, and many people say that's because it's becoming stretched as opposition groups begin to push on it both in the north and the south at the same time. Most significantly for the regime will be losses it's felt in the northwest in a province called Idlib, which pushes down on its coastal stronghold that is crucial for President Bashar al-Assad because it's home to his Alawite minority, which has largely backed him in his fight against the opposition. In the south, we've also seen. More like failed attempts by President Bashar al-Assad's forces, backed by Hezbollah and other militias, to take territory away from the rebels. The rebels there have been making slower but steadier gains. So he's really feeling it from all sides now: the north, the south, and now ISIS coming in from the west, the desert. So this is really going to push President Bashar al-Assad's forces from almost every side. Are these military reverses in part due to greater involvement of regional powers like Qatar and Turkey and Saudi Arabia? Yes, what's happened is that under the new King Salman in Saudi Arabia, there's been a revived push to try and bring together Sunni Arab states in the region to fight their main foe, which they see as Iran, a Shia country. And there's basically this regional rivalry, as we all know, between Saudi and Iran, and that's meant that they've come closer with Turkey, who they had sort of an uneasy relationship with, as well as nearby Qatar, and that they're flowing a lot of money、um, and support. Mostly into northern Syria, and that's why most people believe that suddenly the rebels were able to make these dramatic gains. Are there any signs that Iranian support for the Assad regime is waning at all? There's a lot of speculation about this now. Militarily, I don't think there's any doubt that Iran is still very much with. Assad's forces with Hezbollah, the Lebanese Shia 
um, militia helping them in this fight. But politically, some observers, diplomats, economists say that they're just seeing signs that maybe from the political side, Iran is not as willing to give financially as it was before. And people have come up with a lot of reasons for why that might be. Perhaps because of the drop in oil prices, Iran just can't afford it. Perhaps it's, you know, in the middle of these negotiations for a nuclear deal. And as some have put it to me, they just don't want to make that kind of an investment right now till they know what the political situation looks like once those negotiations are done. You've been talking to the rebels, haven't you, in the last few weeks? I mean, what's their morale like? Morale is good, but I can't describe it as the kind of euphoria that you used to see two, three years ago when the rebels first started making advances. And you don't see rebels now saying like, oh, we will bring down the regime in in a few months. They're cautiously saying that they hope they can bring down the regime and that they want to. But they're a lot more sober and, and clear eyed about how many elements can still go wrong, how dependent they are on foreign support to keep going forward. And, you know, the fact that there's so many regional issues going on, that you have the nuclear negotiations with Iran, which many people think might play a role in diplomatic negotiations later down the line for Syria. So they no longer have big ambitions. They are just hoping, you know, that they can at least get a negotiation where they get what they consider a more fair outcome. Are there, as far as one can tell, any signs of the regime itself fracturing? There's a lot of rumors about that right now. And the difficult thing with the regime is is we just really don't know that's the truth. But what we are hearing is one of his top spy chiefs, Rustam Ghazali, is most likely passed away. We still don't know how he died or why he died. And many people think it was an inside job. And that has led to a lot of speculation that there's some inner power struggles going on. We don't know, but I think given all the different pressures right now on the regime, it is likely that there's anxiety there, that they are recalculating, and that could lead to some changes from the inside, but we don't have definitive proof. I suppose that this weakness that is perceptible in the regime could mean that there's a better chance for diplomatic negotiations to actually achieve something. What's your view on that? That's a hope among most diplomats in this region, and they hope this will become an opportunity. Um, And I've asked a lot of them, but strangely, most of them feel like while there is an interest on the part of the UN and the UN envoy for Syria, Stefan de Mastura, they don't necessarily feel that foreign powers who could really push the different actors in Syria to a deal, they don't feel that they are ready to do that. So that's an important part. We do have the possibility for negotiations. Demastura is, is actually right now meeting with different players on the both the opposition and the regime side to try and figure out what he could have them negotiate over. As some diplomats put it, they're sort of talking about talks right now. But if they don't have that push from their financial backers, basically, to make a deal, it almost won't matter. And so that's the big question right now. Will Saudi Arabia and Qatar and Turkey and the United States and Iran, all these players, will they have the will to push Syrians on the ground to make a deal? And that is the part we really don't know yet. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 